Welcome to Nonprofit Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. Today, we are privileged to have Christian Spiro as our guest, and we are talking about benefits of active preparation in your nonprofit accounting. Christian brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to this topic as General Manager of Bookkeeping and Accounting Services at JITASA. JITASA means Spirit of Serving Others, and their mission is to improve the effectiveness and efficiency of nonprofit organizations. And one of the ways they do this is offering accounting services for nonprofit organizations. So this episode, our very own Tammy Tilsey sits down with Christian to discuss this very topic. So without further ado, here's Tammy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christian. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, we brainstormed on some of the topics that we could cover in nonprofit accounting and this idea of active preparation. For many organizations, they either just ended or about to end their fiscal year, which means it's audit time. So what would you say, let's start it with maybe the top three issues nonprofits face when it comes to audit and how you would recommend avoiding them? Yeah, so we, we get this question a lot, actually, which is great because it means that our clients are thinking about their audit uh, and that they want it to be clean, neat, and obviously as quick as possible. Um, we're really starting in on our 630 year end audits right now. So if you need an audit and you don't have something scheduled currently, I would highly recommend getting that done as soon as possible. Uh, you, you don't need to be audit ready to get it scheduled. A lot of the times we'll use the audit start date as a way to determine due dates for different items that we know we'll need for the audit. Uh, but getting back to your question, three things that we typically see as issues really come down to active preparation. Uh, the top issue we see client, with clients are reconciliations and schedules, supporting documentation, and expense or grant allocations. So to start with the recs and schedules, when we see issues here, it's either that the schedules or reconciliations aren't done or that the documents that are submitted to the auditors don't match what the trial balance is saying. It can be pretty common to overlook how a year-end change or adjustment can affect a reconciliation. So for example, reviewing and addressing stale checks at the end of the year is a great practice. But remember, you're addressing them if you're addressing them after the bank reconciliation has been completed, you'll need to go back and adjust the, rest the reconciliation so that it ties out to your new account balance. So some great ways to avoid this are, number one, lock your books. Uh, this, will, you know, this way, no changes will be made accidentally. And a lot of nonprofit accounting softwares or accounting softwares in general have a way to put a password protection as of a specific date. Number two, pull a trial balance and work down the assets, liabilities, and net asset accounts one by one to ensure you either have a reconciliation report or a schedule for every account. This will ensure that no accounts get missed and that you've got something for every, every account that has a balance on it. Number three, confirm the rec and, and or schedule that you have ties to the trial balance before you submit it to the auditors. It seems like a pretty common thing, a pretty simple thing, but it's very easily overlooked. And number four, 
we recommend saving documents in a single folder so you know where everything is and can easily access it. We have our staff save things in a folder titled Send to Auditors, so it's very obvious what should be in there. So doing these things prior to the audit start ensures you avoid missing any recs or schedules and helps ensure that you have the documents that tie to the trial balance before you submit to the auditors. So the second thing I said was supporting documentation. Again, this really comes back to active preparation. Auditors are going to ask for documents to support expenses and contributions, pledges, grants, etc. So it's important that you're saving these documents throughout the year in a way that's easy to navigate, easy to access, and that the documents are titled in a way that you know what they are. This may vary depending on the organization, but we save documents by fiscal year, then by month, then have each month broken down into different folders, including accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, reconciliation, and monthly items that could be you know, things like prepaid schedules or fixed asset schedules. So it's good to know that these things don't need to be a physical copy either. They can be electronic. Uh, especially in the world of COVID, many audit firms are going 100% remote. So everything has to be digital anyway. So you know, we say do yourself a favor and declutter your now home office uh, and scan everything into your server and just shred the paper copy. You know, once you have a digital copy, there's no need for that physical document anymore. Uh, so the third thing I mentioned was expense and grant allocation. So this is really two different but related things. Uh, that tie to a couple of different pieces uh, that can cause issues. So first, let's talk about expense allocations. Uh, when I say expense allocations, I'm talking about allocating your expenses between your programmatic, administrative, or fundraising activities. Your auditors are going to refer to this as your functional expense allocation report. And trust me, it's not something that you want to come back to at year end and try and figure out. Throughout your fiscal year, you should be capturing at a minimum two things for every expense as a part of your GL coding. What is it and what is it for? Typically, the expense account will take care of the what is it question, signifying that it's for supplies or travel or consulting. Um, but it, additionally, it's important to answer the what is it for question, uh, specifying if it's a program expense and if so, what program it's for, or is it an admin, admin expense or is it a fundraising expense or is it a little bit of each? Uh, different accounting systems have different ways of tracking this, but there should be a way of doing it. By doing this on a monthly basis, by expense, your allocations will already be completed by the time you get to your fiscal year end, and it also ensures that you're doing this accurately throughout the year. If you wait until year end, it'll be hard to remember if that Amazon order from January was for program supplies or fundraising supplies. So do it throughout the year. Uh, on an expense by expense basis. So related to this, and yet somehow entirely different, uh, is talking about allocations of expenses to grants. Now, I say it's related because a lot of times grants will support a specific program you're running. So for example, if you're running an after school program for kids and you get a $50,000 grant to do that, it's pretty easy to say the first 50 grand in expenses that I have goes towards my after school program is for grant A. Uh, but this gets significantly more complicated when you have multiple grants supporting the same program or if you have one grant supporting multiple pr programs. 
So staying on top of these allocations will make your year-end close and audit prep significantly easier. Most accounting systems have a way to tag expenses back to a grant, so doing it as a part of your normal coding is going to be recommended. Um, we, we do this at Jatasa for our clients, and it allows us to run a report by a specific donor to show the total income or expenses for the fiscal year, giving us the exact amount of the grant that we've spent and how much we have left to spend. Now, not to get in the weeds too much here, but this conversation about grant allocations does tie back to our first point about having a schedule created. Many times grants will span your fiscal year, meaning you have funds from last year uh, that you need to spend in this fiscal year. So Jatasa, we track that using a schedule for restricted net assets. And a lot of times that's done outside of the accounting system, but it really shows how much funds for each grant were carried over from one year to the next. Great. Yes. The last thing you mentioned, it sounds like the expense allocations are pretty important, especially when it comes to grant tracking. I know that can be fairly complex and also the reporting that goes along with that. Is there anything else with grants specifically that, that organizations should be paying attention to on a regular basis? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there are a few items that come to mind specifically. Uh, first is avoiding double dipping. Uh, with your expenses. And, and by that, I mean allocating the same expenses to two different grants. This is really a, a big no-no uh, that we see organizations do, and it's really easily avoidable if you're tracking those expenses back to your grants in the accounting system on a monthly basis. You should then be using the reports from your accounting system to indicate how much you've spent towards that grant where a lot of times we'll see organizations tracking grants using a spreadsheet outside of the accounting system. And it makes it really easy to accidentally apply an expense to two different grants. The other thing that comes to mind regarding grants is budgeting and applications. We see issues here when the person applying for grants doesn't have a frequent line of communication with the finance team. As I'm sure you know, planning for grants is a hard thing to do because you don't really know which ones are going to come in and which ones aren't, especially for new grants. We see problems here when someone will budget, submit budgets uh, as they apply for multiple grants, but those budgets exceed the organizational's budget for a certain area. So for example, say you apply for three grants and one of the line items on those grant budgets is $40,000 for your part of your program director's salary. That's fine if you pay your program director $120,000 a year, but what if you pay them $80,000 a year? If you're awarded all three grants, you now have money restricted for a specific purpose that you aren't going to be able to spend in a way that it was submitted. So because of this, it's really important that the people applying for grants are in close communication with the finance team and everyone has a good gauge on or as good of a gauge as possible on the likelihood of receiving those funds. Wow, that that does really put a perspective on it. Thank you for that or that example. But you know, in that example, what happens if if someone does receive all three grants? Yeah, well, it it really can vary depending on the organization, the grantor, what the total variance is. Uh, but most often what we see is that the organization has to go back to the grantor and ask permission to modify the budget that was submitted and reallocate those funds. Now, some grantors won't have a problem with that, but some will. 
and as such, it could potentially be damaging for a relationship with a new grantor. So giving and just kind of giving them the mindset that if you're already having to change things so early in this relationship, what will the future hold? Uh, it's, it's best to just avoid the situation if you can, and it really is an avoidable issue. That's tricky. And, and as we've talked about on other podcasts, um, just having that great communication with your grant team, which includes the finance team as well, will help help that uh, coordination and avoiding that situation. Ah, so there's, there's so much to think about, but I want to get back to the a theme I saw in your first few answers. And, and that's one of this active preparation. You mentioned this with the audit and the, the issues you typically see there, but outside of the audit, just looking at a well-functioning nonprofit organization, are there things that they could actively prepare in the finance and accounting realm that, that help things run more smoothly? Oh, absolutely. So there's always things that you can be doing. And, and honestly, a lot of it comes back to having a solid foundation to start from. And I don't mean a foundation like a charitable foundation. I know we're talking nonprofits here. Uh, I mean the structure in which your organization is built on. So to, to really grossly oversimplify the accounting realm, it's a series of regulations and rules that you have to follow. Again, that's a, a gross over, oversimplification but you know, to maintain your organizational finances is kind of the same thought process. So follow the rules and regulations, aka company policies, that your organization has set in place. If you don't have any, it's really hard to know what to base decisions off of. In the accounting world, this really starts with how you track your revenue and expenses. So this is known as your chart of accounts. Uh, Jatasa has a webinar we'll be putting out later in October that goes pretty in depth into this, uh, but it's a very important piece of your structure because it really determines your reporting, your information needs, your department setup, et cetera, et cetera. It, it needs to be complex enough to track all of the information you wanna report on, but not so complex that you need your CPA license to really understand it. Right? You have board members that need to understand what they're looking at when they're looking at financial statements. Another foundational item is having the proper support from your board. While not necessarily accounting related, uh, having the proper board support is crucial for an organization's success. You need people on your board from all different aspects of life because that gives you a wide diversity of views on different issues that you'll run into. I typically tell clients, if you can get an accountant, a lawyer, an artist, and then someone from the programmatic field in which you operate all on your board, you've got the makings of a very solid board. Not only will they be able to give you solid business advice on how to run the organization, but they're also going to be balanced in their individual strengths and perspectives. Uh, you know, As an accountant, I am not the guy you want to plan your annual gala. You can trust me on that one. But, you know, I, I bet you that an artist would be, you know, be able to plan one heck of a creative function and they've got different skill sets and insights that I just don't have. So having a balanced board that is uh, able to support you and is active in their roles is, is really crucial. Uh, lastly, I would highly recommend you do your research and ensure you have the proper policies in place 
as an organization that will help you further your mission. So talk to other nonprofits in your area, talk to other boards, talk to state charitable charity councils. Uh, these are great resources to lean on to make sure you have the right type of policies in place. Um, for example, one policy I really wish we saw more of is a gift acceptance policy. This would talk about when you're willing to accept contributions, in what format, and from who. Uh, this kind of policy gives your staff guidelines on when you are not willing to accept gifts. And uh, I know what you're thinking, why on earth would I say no to money? But keep in mind, not all contributions are cash. So there are gifts of services rendered, gifts of tangible goods, there's stocks, bonds, cryptocurrency. You know, are you as an organization willing to accept all of these different types of contributions? Um, you know, we, we have a, a great example from one of our clients. Uh, they had a donor who had given to them, you know, cash contributions for years. Uh, he calls up the organization one day and says, hey, I want to give you guys a boat for your camp property. And they said, great, thanks so much. Ship, ship it on up there. We'll take care of it. Uh, turns out the boat was really only worth about $3,000, but it needed about $15,000 of work to get it actually up running and functional. Uh, so now they're stuck with a broken down boat that they have, you know, they've got to figure out what to do with. And they have to have an awkward conversation with a recurring donor when he asks why the boat isn't being used at the camp. So most gift acceptance policies will have some verbiage in there about verifying the different values of contributions, specifically motor vehicles, prior to acceptance. Had that organization had a similar policy in place, they wouldn't be stuck with a boat right now. Man, so many things to to think about. You think things are, are pretty straightforward. And then, and then <laughs> there's, I bet you guys have seen a lot uh, there. So um, this, this has been a great conversation and, and we've just learned a lot of, of how to, how that active preparation could save you a lot of, of trouble as well as, you know, preparing for audits. And I, um, you mentioned that webinar that we have coming up in October. And yeah. so I'm going to put that in the show notes, um, a sign up for uh, attending that. As you mentioned, we are going <clears> to <throat> just dive into a lot of detail on chart of accounts And there. As you mentioned, there is that balance of how much detail do you need and don't go too far. And, and, and so that proactive uh, learning and planning on that's going to be real helpful. And it, it ties to, uh, what we talked about today and, and being proactive with that. So we appreciate so much all of the the advice that you've given. And one of the things as I'm listening to us is like, I'm so glad this is a podcast where you could pause and, and write things down and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> rewind and listen to what you mentioned. Again, there's been some great advice. So we thank you for helping our nonprofit community here be successful yeah. Uh, with their nonprofit accounting. And, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And, and uh, is, is there anything else you would like to leave people with today uh, in terms of advice about this active pr preparation? Yeah, I, I just remind people that you get out of your financials what you put in. Uh, it, is, it is not a set it and forget it kind of situation, really no matter who you're working with. 
Uh, if you want your audit to run smoothly, you need to prepare for your audit year round. It's not just the month leading up to your audit where you need to focus on that. Uh, we've had numerous clients tell us that they spend more time on their finances since hiring Jatasa than they did prior to Jatasa. And that they're really happy about that because they know how the organization is performing in, a, in significantly more detail than they did previously. And this allows them to make better organizational decisions to ensure their mission is accomplished. And that's really what we're all focusing on is accomplishing the mission of our organization. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we're in the business that we're in. That's why nonprofits exist for what they're doing. They want to accomplish that mission. And our role is to support them in doing that. So that was our conversation. If you enjoyed today's nonprofit coffee talk, please subscribe and share it with others who might enjoy it as well. We look forward to connecting with you in our future webinars, podcasts, and community discussion platform, Compass.